and welcome to Apple Trees. Uh, hello, this is uh, the show for all who develop uh, for Apple platforms. Uh, we cover news in bit-sized chunks and uh, gather here every two weeks to go through latest news and updates and see how it is, affects our day-to-day uh, -day activities. So the host of the show, uh, uh, Danis, uh, he's a uh, chief software engineer at EPAM. He leads Apple platform competency and um, always discover new ways to build a productive life on top of Apple platform. Yeah, thanks. And Irina, uh, lead software developer at EPAM, uh, engineer, <laughs> enjoying adopting new tech uh, and uh, currently slightly changed her occupation uh, to work on the uh, brand new baby startup. I mean, baby startup, <laughs> really. And uh, yes, this is our uh, pilot episode. So please be patient and uh, we'll uh, go through this together. And uh, in order to uh, have something to start with, we will cover the beginning of uh, 2021 uh, for Apple developers. And um, on today's show, uh, new releases of uh, Apple operating systems and new betas as well. Uh, M1 Max, uh, they now get more attention, even from the development community. Uh, SwiftUI is taking its first steps outside Apple ecosystem. And also we will cover the special uh, events for the developers, uh, which Apple hosts right now. Well, not for all developers, for some of the developers. Okay, uh, so let's start with uh, updates of operation systems uh, and for iOS 14 and iPad OS, um, uh, Apple releases uh, minor updates uh, every month and January was not an exception. It has uh, extended beta due to over holidays, but uh, .4 version was released. Uh, it uh, more focus, focused on uh, bug fixes and uh, user-facing features, but uh, there are some interesting. Uh, for example, uh, um, despite uh, uh, iOS, uh, also was, were, were released macOS and watchOS uh, versions, minor versions. So for uh, for Apple Watch, uh, there is new. Um, time to work and subscriptions uh, combinations uh, for workout. Uh, it's like audio experience uh, when you walk uh, to see, uh, to, uh, to listen some um, inspiring uh, stories uh, by guests uh, to make your uh, workout more pleasant. And uh, I think it's very nice uh, bug fix uh, when your notification center or control center is not responding while uh, Zoom is enabled. <laughs> so yeah. uh, fix, I think uh, users uh, uh, love it, I think, really. And um, uh, the thing that is uh, uh, sounds mo uh, the most exciting for me uh, on uh, uh, on um, iOS, it's um, uh, that uh, Apple introduced in this version uh, Find My Items uh, in uh, Find My Application. Uh, so third-party uh, manufacturer developers uh, can uh, register their devices uh, and uh, uh, be a part of uh, this um, uh, application. Uh, from the scratch, uh, it is uh, available only for Belkin devices, 
And I think here's some uh, job for engineers, but uh, uh, as usual, it's more uh, about Apple certifications, allowance, and uh, etc. here to have so more paperwork than engineering. Right. And um, by the way, this find my network, how the uh, Apple call it, it's, um, it's a specific program where you need to enroll, basically, and you get the access to technical specs. By the way, at the moment, you can get technical specs, uh, specs right away. You don't need to register to made for iPhone portal or any like, I don't know, secret links you should follow. It's basically available for all the developers. And uh, if you are the manufacturer of any tracking devices, um, like, I don't know, which you can put on your key ring or whatever, uh, you can enroll to this program, well, quite easily. And uh, one of the thing I read about this Find My um, Network, it's uh, Apple's focus on the privacy and security. So the, actually the uh, this program is quite kind, kind of interesting. They try to avoid any potential risks of uh, exposing unnecessary information. So if you are interested, just uh, navigate to Apple's website and uh, read the specs. It's a kind of interesting topic. But before we move on, I would like to mention one more thing, uh, thing which was uh, updated in iOS 14.4. And uh, I actually, uh, well, uh, like this fix because I, I actually found the issue underlying uh, underlying issue for that. So uh, before that, smaller QR codes were like really hard to scan on the camera. That was like painful. Then they fixed that. So thank you. It's not like something uh, which uh, affects developers, but uh, well, it did affect me. <laughs> and, uh, it, it's now much easier to scan QR codes uh, holding the phone a little bit back and um, not not uh, like I don't know touching the paper in order to scan smaller codes. So thanks for that. Um, but I know that uh, Apple as well updated the previous version of iOS, right, Irina? Uh, yes, so uh, Apple pretty strong with the duplication strategy of old versions, but um, uh, they uh, take seriously this COVID issue and they made a patch for 12.5 uh, iOS uh, for devices that couldn't be updated to 14th iOS. Uh, due to notice, this patch fixes an issue where explosion notification could incorrectly display uh, login profile language. So uh, issue may be not so critical, but um, maybe for statistics, uh, um, your location uh, is uh, important uh, to do uh, some analytics of the uh, COVID and uh, what's happening all, all over the world. Yeah, yeah, that's um, that, that's one of the important, and that actually affects the developers a bit. So, but uh, not just the releases. Uh, Apple also publishes first uh, beta version of the iOS 14.5, which will be um, released soon. I mean, uh, probably early spring. And um, if we look for the users, uh, from the user's perspective, that's uh, well partial face ID unlock, which they how they called it, but actually it's like watchOS uh, uh, unlock. If you own iPhone and um, uh, Apple Watch and you have uh, the phone with the face ID, then you will be able to unlock your phone uh, wearing a mask, and uh, you will just need the Apple Watch, and you need to enable a setting which will allow that. And uh, for for the security uh, and privacy reasons, you. Uh, 
Apple Watch will receive the notification that the phone was unlocked and you will be able to lock the phone from the watch. So that's, that's one thing. And uh, yeah, you will not be able to use this feature to authorize um, Apple Pay or any other payment related features. So um, like buying something from the App Store or uh, uh, in-app purchases. So anything which relates to the money uh, or some secret information, uh, Face ID will not be able to unlock. So partially, but again, taking into account that this is um, something which is, uh, well, re relates to the users and to, to their privacy. That's, I, I believe, a good thing. I would also mention that the one more thing will be mandatory uh, on the iOS 14.5, and that's app tracking uh, transparency. Uh, well, <laughs> this thing is uh, which Facebook whines about a lot, and uh, they even posted a couple of paper ads in order to like uh, discourage this thing. But uh, to sum up, this thing basically protects user from tracking, or at least it should. Um, in uh, for the for like direct effects it disables the identifier for advertiser which is like can be considered as a unique identifier of every iPhone or a, any other um, iOS device around there. And uh, if user disables, uh, declines the request, the identifier for advertiser will be zeroed out. But also this thing should prevent application. So basically ap application should follow the user's decision and stop any tracking outside the application. And we will probably discuss this maybe in some uh, uh, next episodes because this is actually an important topic and this does not prevent you from getting any uh, mobile analytics on your application so you still can get um, uh, details on user actions. This feature prevents uh, application and it basically company which provides this application from um, tracking you outside the application like for example, Facebook does. So they basically take your actions within application, your actions on the web and whenever they want to. And uh, they basically build a profile on you. So this is something which will be uh, disabled if users declined uh, the tracking, or at least Facebook should do that. So we'll, we'll see how it will go. Uh, from my perspective, that's actually a very good thing. And I will uh, wa will wait until this happens and we'll see how um, other companies will react to that. And again, we will probably have uh, discussed, maybe discuss this in uh, later episodes. Uh, Apple provides some kind of replacement for this tracking, but making this tracking more private. So basically your actions will not be used to build a profile on you, which will be sent uh, sold uh, to advertisers. Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, topic is so important that even uh, Tim Cook commented on this uh, on his Twitter. <laughs> so right. I guess it's uh, worth to um, maybe uh, cover it in a, a separate episode uh, more uh, in depth. But yeah. I want to uh, back uh, to this uh, partial face ID feature. Um, right. I am from one hand, I like it. Uh, it um, will make life easy in some cases, but uh, from other perspective, it uh, uh, like uh, gives a lot of ifs, if you have an Apple Watch, if you switch on, if and so on, so on, so on. Um, but anyway, uh, it's better than, for example, be back to fingerprint <laughs> or uh, like this. Um, and I think maybe the next device will scan our eye to identify <laughs> <laughs> you. So, some yeah, new so. cameras and so on. <laughs> 
Yeah, it seems so that at least uh, I believe they already have some prototypes which doing that. I'm, I mean, that's probably or they will provide you like something uh, with the, like Apple Glass, which I don't know will be released in a couple of years and uh, it will do that uh, by by itself. But let's see. Um, true, um, true. I mean. Uh, up the tracking security, uh, so it uh, will uh, is, is going to become mandatory in spring, and uh, uh, in December, uh, in App Store uh, period, up um, App Store privacy label. So in App Store, and uh, there was an issue that uh, Apple relied uh, the developers are honest and um, provide uh, the information as is, but uh, it's a period that uh, lots of application. Uh, uh, doesn't provide actual information, and now Apple, uh, after all, started to uh, check it somehow. For example, uh, for uh, using some third parties that uh, do particular uh, things, uh, maybe somehow else, and uh, start notify developers uh, that they um, could be rejected of the store. And how do you think uh, about app tracking uh, transparency? Will they? Uh, rely on developers are honest yeah that, that's that's a really good question i mean i've read a couple of articles and uh, it seems that even google and facebook already have some ways of identifying your particular device without identifier for advertiser and uh, basically this dialogue which asks for the tracking should prevent them even from doing that so they should stop doing that in the first place I'm not sure. I mean, really, this is some. This topic is really important for me, and um, I'm I'm big uh, privacy advocate, and I'm trying to make all uh, my everything what's possible in order to like ensure that we are not collecting more than need. And uh, well, looking at Facebook, they need everything, and <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, they will try uh, to do something. That's for sure. I even think they will try to scare users. I mean, like they already do in order to like basically say you have to allow tracking, I mean, for, for whatever reason. Apple uh, has a guideline, uh, guidelines updates which uh, prevents that, so you, you, you shouldn't be tracking users or your app features should not depend on the user's decision for this particular question. But I believe, uh, well, this is still an open question if um, uh, apps will follow that. I hope Apple will do some more uh, stuff in terms of making sure that uh, tracking uh, is checked somehow on App Store review, but I don't know if they will be able to. So it's, uh, they still can uh, not can see, uh, see the apps from the user's perspective. They do not do any, like, I don't know, reverse engineering or anything else. And they like, probably they don't check the network traffic because well, probably this traffic should be encrypted anyway. I don't know. I mean, this is, this is interesting. And I think we will talk yeah, a little bit later, and we'll see how apps react to that. And for now, I know that Facebook is already trying the uh, onboarding screen, which will um, uh, explain why they need tracking. And uh, well, at least something, okay. Well, but they, if they still follow the decision of the user for uh, for not track, that will be okay from my perspective. But I think they will be trying to do something more. Uh, and uh, myself, uh, personally, I don't maybe care much about my private information. I have no something special. I, it's just like 
I don't think it's very like uh, interesting to somebody and uh, very useful information. Uh, but uh, in in this situation, I'm um, caring about global worms. I don't want uh, this uh, terabytes of information to be stored somewhere and processed. <laughs> so yeah. this is a uh, main point for me uh, on this uh, question. Okay, let's um, move on. <laughs> Hold on. Um, so Apple published um, 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 library designs for Big Sur after two months it was released. It um, has uh, all the fonts, uh, icons, uh, um, um, uh, textures, uh, and uh, um, full screen designs. Uh, um, pop-ups and all the stuff uh, uh, for, uh, for for big, uh, for big Sur elements and uh, library is uh, really uh, big. Uh, it has uh, full components uh, and uh, they released it in Sketch. Uh, users of uh, Photoshop uh, need to wait a little bit for it. And uh, really when I see this, uh, uh, such libraries, I can think, oh, I could be a designer. I can, can do something. <laughs> but I, I think it's better to stop uh, uh, just uh, just to try and not to move uh, further. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, one thing we forgot to mention is that uh, with the betas of the iOS uh, 14.5, there is a beta of Xcode and uh, also uh, new Swift is coming. Well, not that new, which will come in June, I hope, with all the async awaits and everything. But still, minor uh, things are happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the good thing is that um, incremental uh, compilation is uh, improved and speed up. It means uh, that um, we can develop faster if we don't uh, clean any caches. Also, uh, compilation improvements and uh, lot, um, a number of uh, developer code sugar for developers. Um, uh, the thing that I liked uh, is um, uh, improved return builders. If uh, previously um, uh, we can uh, only uh, like skip a return a keyword if you have. Um, uh, single expression to return, and uh, but now uh, we have like more complicated, um, uh, more complicated structures that can uh, return. It's like if, if else for and so. Uh, also, um, uh, um, now local fun functions can be uh, nested, and uh, um, we can have um, uh, multiple variables. Uh, Mm, parameters and functions and such sugar always um, uh, makes me remember uh, the days when I was developing uh, Ruby. It's um, uh, a little bit uh, a style of script languages, but uh, are still uh, strong typed, which uh, which is a double plus. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, by the way, if you're uh, interested in uh, what Swift will uh, have soon, I would recommend you learning Rust language. Uh, everybody who is learning Rust uh, now know that uh, Swift was heavily inspired on that. Let's put it that way. So yeah, well, I believe we will see the uh, concurrency soon, uh, which looks more or less uh, the same or at least close to that. Okay, 
Um, we still have some more news to talk about, and uh, I would like to focus a little bit about uh, on the uh, new Apple uh, M1 chips. So, uh, yeah, it runs fast, and uh, it, uh, it's new shiny thing from Apple, and uh, now you can run Linux on that. <laughs> so I, I don't know if you should do that, but uh, well, more and more things are happening to M1, and. Uh, uh, first of all, yeah, um, uh, Karelium company uh, did uh, their great job on terms of uh, making that possible. They um, were able to uh, port all the things uh, required to run Linux, and they um, basically said it's fully usable. I don't think that uh, means that it uh, well, doesn't need anything else or like perfectly runs there or uses all the uh, power which provided by uh, uh, M1 chip, but at least you can do that. And uh, another thing I would like to mention is uh, that Homebrew, uh, quite popular package manager for the um, uh, developers, and not just developers, but uh, as well, is also updated to uh, uh, 3.0.0. And the uh, main thing here is the support for the uh, M1 chip. And uh, they kind of updated some more things there, but uh, basically if you use Homebrew and you own uh, uh, Mac with the M1 chip, that's probably time to update to Homebrew uh, version 3. So this is, uh, we see a lot of things happening to that and uh, that's, I believe, very, very uh, good thing. I mean, um, I look forward for newer generations of the chips and I think those will be quite important for the developers uh, and uh, I don't know, in a year we will be looking uh, to the Intel chips as something, I don't know, <laughs> ancient and uh, not that useful, at least for the developers, I believe, for the users. Okay, so um, for sure I will update my, uh, if already not, uh, my homebrew. Uh, I'm always updating and hoping that it uh, should be faster and uh, less, have less bugs, but uh, <laughs> um, experience says that uh, it's not always that. <laughs> Um, okay, so also um, from our news, um, Twitter has open source uh, open sourced uh, the uh, rich text editor. Uh, each it in, in encapsulates UI text view and uses uh, delegate based APIs like uh, UIKit do. Uh, uh, so I think it could be useful for some applications, but. Um, uh, Dennis, how do you think, uh, should it be uh, part of standard elements in uh, Xcode, like a rich text editor? I, uh, so they already have it in their notes, and uh, if they wanted, they could uh, make it. Um, yeah, that's, uh, again, a very, very good question. Most of the time I get, well, let's start with that. So. Uh, UI, UI text view already has an ability to, uh, pr well, basically display rich text. So, attributed but, text. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it doesn't provide you with the controls to edit, like I don't know, predefined toolbars or whatever for um, for 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 rich text editing. And sometimes you have to invent something there. And I definitely want to make uh, a statement here. Editing a text is not a simple task, and uh, specifically because we live uh, in a world where there are many languages, and some of these languages are right to left, some of them are left to right. Some of them, uh, sometimes you need to write text which has both of them, and uh, 
and also there are some a lot of stuff happening with the text while you write and uh, I think good text editor is something which needs to be done and I would prefer having um, text editor from Apple rather than from Twitter again mostly because the Twitter is actually uh, well side company and uh, well you will need to review the whole source code in order to make sure that it doesn't report the text you write to their uh, some reporting systems I, I hope not <laughs> well but still uh, there, there could be and if Apple already has a lot of knowledge on how their uh, text containers work and how the text layout works they probably can do a lot uh, for the developers here making some simple APIs and uh, more flexible I would say so you will be able to easily edit text but as of now if you need something well Twitter text editor looks promising let's put it that way it's uh, uh, basically for the uh, UI kit apps and uh, if you are doing um, a Swift UI, you will need to fall back to UIKit uh, UI view representable here. So we are developers, we know that Swift UI is not uh, covering everything. You will still need to fall back to the UIKit for some uh, for some time. Um, and speaking of Swift UI, <laughs> uh, we, we, we announced that it's taking its first steps outside the Apple ecosystem. Irina, would you comment on this? Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 so guys, so Tomakak, I, I don't know how to read <laughs> or pronounce. Tokamak, so, right. Tokamak UI, they ported um, it to WebAssembly and uh, actually Swift UI can be executed uh, in browser now um, and uh, um, being just uh, fast. Uh, um, and you can uh, like describe UI in Swift UI for web. Um, but um, um, if of course, you want to do this. <laughs> I don't know what, but now we have it, and uh, uh, I think it's uh, good in that point that maybe uh, it becomes more widespread and more universal. But um, something useful in this, I don't uh, don't think it's a good thing to do to write a web on a Swift UI. Right, and uh, I think at this point of time, this is basically something. Uh, like a race between, like I don't know, Flutter for web and the Swift UI for web. They are both not usable for that. I mean, I don't know. Uh, we, we we might have somebody from the Flutter on the listeners, and they will send us some uh, angry uh, emails saying that no, Flutter for web is already like I don't know can be used in production. But I don't think so truly, and neither is Swift UI. But I would like to comment here and. It's actually a good thing, mostly because they are doing the open source version of the Swift UI. Yes, it runs on different platform, basically the web platform, but it still shows how Swift UI works uh, internally. And uh, one more thing here, they basically um, another side project which is kind of related is Open Combine. You can find it on GitHub. It's an open source. Uh, uh, combine replacement and it's basically uses combine API and they even have uh, uh, an ability to uh, build your app on top of uh, open combine and on the platforms which have combined like I don't know iOS 14 13 they will run native combine and uh, if the platform doesn't support that it will uh, switch back to the open combine implementation which uses uh, GCD under the under the hood so Again, I, I really like these projects mostly because they first they show the internals and uh, you can basically have some understanding on how it works if you want to. And uh, 
if uh, not, you can use that, for example, to, I don't know, run the code which you write for the combined environment to run that on Linux or on all their iOS releases or whatever you want to. So I I hope to this project succeed or like Apple will look into that and make their uh, solutions open source. I don't have too much uh, optimism for, for that, but it still could happen. I mean, um, looking into Open Combine, I see that it, it has already a lot of work done and uh, I don't think it's like fully production ready, but I, I believe it's quite near that. I mean, it's, uh, they do test some, they, they do have some backlog for uh, for that and they will solve that. And uh, uh, yeah, so, We'll see. We'll see. That's uh, that's an interesting thing. Okay. okay. Uh, and um, so have some also updates about Apple events. Mm, uh, they started to send mails to selected developers, uh, inviting them to uh, events about uh, uh, developing app clips, widgets, and uh, porting uh, iPad uh, applications to Macs uh, and. Um, they did something like this uh, last year about uh, accessibility uh, features for applications. So maybe if uh, some of you who are watching this video was invited uh, to these events or other, you can comment. Uh, maybe they cover other topics as well on their sessions. And also they are uh, invited uh, engineers uh, can uh, talk and ask questions uh, to Apple developers. Yeah, if you if you've been to any of these special events, please send us a note. We would like to hear from you. Um, yeah, a uh, couple more updates here, and um, these are again, um, well, more or less for developers. So we already uh, talked about the Corellium company, which uh, ported Linux to uh, Apple M1 chip. They also uh, do some uh, interesting thing in terms of. Uh, virtual iOS devices, which they now provide to individual users. Uh, well, that's mostly for those who are interested in um, security research. Uh, it's not something that, like, basically to run uh, your app on the virtual device. That's probably not a beneficial way, and probably it will be too expensive to do that. But uh, need to say that previously um, they won a court uh, with Apple in terms of uh, being actually able to do that. So they Apple tried to stop them from uh, providing the virtualized version of the uh, of the iOS uh, devices. But well, they, they now do that service. So if you are a security researcher, you might be interested. I don't know. But if you are a security researcher, Apple also provides uh, uh, basically unlocked devices to those. And uh, you will need to sign some forms in order to get that device. But they already have some programs for the uh, for those who are interested in improving the security for uh, uh, iOS and uh, other devices. And speaking of security, um, Google's uh, Project Zero posted uh, quite an interesting article on how um, uh, iMessage changed in iOS 14 and macOS Big Sur. So this Project Zero is, uh, is guys at Google who are like looking into security. They try to find the security issues and report them to vendors. And uh, they also deal something with um, uh, with Apple platforms. And they researched on how, uh, how iMessage changed it. And it's actually quite interesting in terms of previously, uh, there were a couple of... Uh, exploits for their message when somebody sends you specifically specially crafted message could uh, basically um, uh, 
hack your phone and uh, get into I don't know kernel space and everything just from the simple message. So Apple uh, created one more service which runs outside of the messages process and uh, it has some uh, security limitations and uh, it basically tries to uh, check what was sent and unpacks it and uh, like I don't know extracts images every uh, attachments verifies that attachments are safe and only then reports back to the uh, iMessage application so and uh, XPC so the services remote services are already there in the iOS so just us developers could not create that but they, they do that and this particular service is a little bit different it's also have a more in terms of protecting from ex uh, any malicious code escaping from that uh, service. So they kind of expect that this blast door service will be exploited somehow. And if that happens, service uh, this service just dies and uh, will not uh, will uh, not, nothing will be able to escape that and uh, affect the uh, system. And moreover, they even improved some some uh, address uh, randomization techniques so basically like everything you uh, every every location of their symbols is changing a lot uh, now now more, more times after the reboot so again uh, for us users it means that we our devices are more safe now and uh, even uh, as as i said that unicode and text uh, processing is something very tough for some systems, so previous exploits were basically using some specially crafted Unicode sequences in order to trigger uh, the exploit. So now it shouldn't be. Well, we hope it will not be possible any any longer. Yeah. Well, good thing that uh, uh, that happens, and probably they might uh, add similar things like this blast door uh, service to other uh, critical parts of the operating system. And Again, hopefully we will be able to do more with these services in terms of our own applications, like isolating some uh, logic from the UI and uh, probably that would help us developers as well. Uh, yes, it's not great. Um, uh, it's, it's not like some patches uh, or fixes. It's like an architectural uh, change and services uh, for this uh, security uh, holes uh, they implemented. Yeah, and... Yeah, that, that, that's actually something which uh, I also like in that. I mean, this is, uh, mm, th th this change is basically, uh, is done on, on, the, on the more in deep level. And uh, we, I hope they will be doing some more on, on other stuff as well. And uh, we'll, well, again, for the users, that's, uh, that's a good thing. For us developers as well, we can be more, uh, hopefully, again, we will be having something like this in the future. That's probably it with with the like actual news we, we have one more thing to tell yeah one more thing <laughs> and uh yeah we, we already uh were talking a little bit about the m1 chip uh, and we need to talk about intel so just like this uh weekend uh intel uh some press release from Intel was leaked. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but basically what uh Intel did, they uh posted the great uh, comparison of their new i7 chip against uh, well uh, first uh, Apple's processor M1 and they are showing that it's like a new Intel chip is faster in this particular uh, benchmarks and they for like I don't know the whole industry like a lot of articles saying that yes Intel specially crafted <laughs> a lot of benchmarks in order to make their particular chip look better and even in that case 
on many other benchmarks the, which they use in the same presentation and one better or at least on par with the newer uh, Core i7. So Intel, come on, <laughs> that, that, that's that, that's not fun. I mean, and just just for for you, if you if you didn't read that, I mean, you you can try. And one of the things which they mention is that uh, Intel chip uh, is faster in switching to calendar in Outlook than <laughs> Apple's M1. Really? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's. Uh, that's a little bit fun, fun thing from there, but we need to, and yeah, they, they also compared to the longevity from, um, from the perspective. So like they compared uh, different versions of their chip when they compared for the performance and for the efficiency. So uh, they used the same M1 chip for, uh, for all the tests, but they, um, for the performance, they're comparing uh, one version of their Intel processor. And when they try to compare with the battery life, they used the different one. No, that that that's that's not cool. And um, so they but have overall, what we... to compare to. Oh, sorry. They have what to compare to. Right, right, and, and and again, this is the first generation of Apple's processor, and that, like it's just I don't know. We can't consider this as a low-end chip. I mean, we we kind of sh should expect something to come up soon with which I don't know M1X or M2 or whatever I hope this will be this uh, spring but let's compare to that I think that would be more interesting and uh, Intel will need to find some some new I would say uh, benchmarks to compare with <laughs> yeah and uh, probably probably that's it right uh, yes, uh, that's news we have, uh, and we will uh, look for new updates for our next episodes. And now we can like continue our routine job and life, and can, and do our uh, job uh, back. <laughs> yes, thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to uh, seeing you next time. Uh, follow us on Twitter or Telegram, uh, and. Um, um, if uh, you have some comments and uh, or agree or disagree with us, uh, please welcome comment on this video. Yes, uh, thank you very much and uh, have a great day. Bye. Bye. Have a great day. Bye.